When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time now for Bitsy and Lions on WEEI. The heavens got a whole lot sweeter this week. The sounds upstairs, richer, like a little more velvet, old-fashioned and classic as we lost one of the great crooners and entertainers of this and several generations, R.I.P. Tony Bennett. Hell of a run, John Lyons, all the way to 96. Yeah, still performing, I think, as of a couple of years ago, right? I mean, yeah, he was. Yeah. Did, did you ever get a chance to do a duet album with him? I know several stars had a chance You to. know, I did not. So I, I'm still looking <laughs> on that first duet album. Maybe Joe Braverman and I will make one. We'll see. Oh, wow. We got to get in touch with, like, Lady Gaga or something. Get us oh, man. I think we're bigger than that. I, I think we need somebody bigger than Lady Gaga. The, you guys already, you got, yeah, definitely. Taylor, Taylor Swift or GTFO, guys. I mean, Brave Lions would be the, the crossover musical event of a generation as well. But Tony Bennett was something special. Uh, 96, rest in peace. Thank you for all the great songs, the entertainment, the duets, and so much more. And also just like a great spirit and a throwback personality as well. And I, uh, I know he was like somebody that actually became cool again because of the involvement with contemporary pop stars. He was like uh, uh, a favorite of ours, a favorite of dads, and a favorite of our dad's dads, and so many more. So an absolute legend indeed. This is Fitzy and Lions on WEEI. We are coming at you on WEEI, WEEI.com, all the fabulous WEEI affiliates, and of course, how John Lyons was consuming the Red Sox when he was in the Utah desert last year, the Odyssey app. Don't have it? Download it, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Why? Because we are Boston Sports Original. If you missed any of the first hour, you can subscribe to the podcast. We are found and available where you can get hashtag dork, six rings and football things, baseball isn't boring, and more on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and anywhere else awesome sports talk can be found. All right, John Lyons, uh, you are a football guy. People know you, of course, from New England Football Journal and more. If I cut you, do you not bleed pigskin, sir? You live, eat, breathe, and sleep. NFL, local football, Patriots, and more. And this is a very exciting week because training camp 2023 for what will easily be one of the most interesting and, dare I say, pivotal seasons in Foxborough in a long time is kicking off. And it was last Sunday. You and Andy Hart were on until about 1.15, 1.20 in the afternoon, and then it was time for the Red Sox pregame show from Mass Mutual. And, of course, just a few minutes after you guys sign off on your debut broadcast, John, DeAndre Hopkins news drops. He's going to sign a two-year deal worth up to $32 million, base of $26 million, a whole lot of guaranteed money. There was a reason why he was minus 300 on DraftKings and FanDuel before the, the news broke. And the fallout all week long has been 
frustration, massive frustration in Pat's nation and amongst the Foxborough faithful. Hey, Bill, you, you, you entertained this man. He told you he loved you last year with that little NFL films clip that went viral when the Patriots traveled to Arizona and beat the Cardinals in what was a very underwhelming Monday night football game. You basically had a wide receiver one, if I'm to buy into, John, the Madden ratings of the top 10 receivers in the NFL, a wide receiver one fell into the lap of a team that was offensively challenged last season. I know they have flipped coordinators. You need a wide receiver one to not just continue to develop Mac, but to help him possibly unlock his true potential and see where he can go as a pro starter. He falls into your lap, and the Patriots cheaped out on him. Why do you ultimately think Bill Belichick and the Patriots flirted with DeAndre Hopkins but didn't commit to the idea of being able to basically sign a wide receiver one for a year or two without having to make him come to you and pay him decent money, John? So I think there's two reasons. And number one, and we can agree or disagree with this, and KJ and I talked about this yesterday too, they feel really good about what they have. And Andrew Callahan has said, and he's reported that as well, but if you look at bringing in Bill O'Brien and Gasicki and Juju Smith-Schuster and adding tackle depth, we can debate whether that's enough or not, but I think they told us with their actions they really like what they have and they feel a lot better about it than I think a lot of outsiders do. And another key piece of evidence is while they had the offer hanging out to DeAndre Hopkins, they chose to extend Devontae Parker. And I know there was some thought, oh, is that creating cap space to allow you know them to offer Hopkins more money? But it's too... Big X-style receivers. I know Hopkins can play the Z, too, and he can move in the slot because he's really good. Yep. But the point is is they made a distinct choice. Hey, we're going to give this guy an extension even while we have an offer out to Hopkins. So I think that, to me, is reason number one. And reason number two, Mike Reese this morning in his notes that he does a great job of every Sunday had maybe a little bit of a hint when he wrote that there may have been some concern that if Hopkins didn't reach his incentives that they had in the deal, how would he fit in the program and maybe they were worried that if all of a sudden Mike Kosicki scoring more touchdowns or Juju Smith-Schuster is taking touchdowns away is Hopkins not fully on board with the program later in the season when he doesn't think he's going to hit his incentives so I think those were the two driving factors and big reason why he's in Tennessee right now I agree with everything you laid out I just can't wrap my mind around why? Okay, so Tennessee absolutely, desperately, 1 million percent needed him more than the Patriots or maybe any other team. Maybe they believe with Derrick Henry still in prime Derrick Henry mode, eventually he's going to break down and we can get into the wide world of running back discontent, the Zoom call they had and everything that's going on, basically with a revolt that's coming now from professional running backs in the NFL and why they're being underpaid and undervalued. We'll get into that later. But with Derrick Henry and a good defense, I don't know who the hell they're going to start. It's obviously going to be Tannehill if he's healthy. Uh, I don't know if Will Levis will get meaningful snaps. But this is not the sexiest pick in the world for DeAndre Hopkins. They desperately needed him because it's Traylon Burks and I can't even name another wide receiver on the Tennessee Titans right now. Well, of course we can. Now they have a wide receiver, one who is going to be fed in DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, I understand his contract would be worth more money in Tennessee as opposed to the taxes taken out here in, in Massachusetts. Yes, they needed him more. But for Belichick to basically say, okay, no, we're definitely interested in you. We think you can be a, a quality addition to this team. 
oh, but we're going to give you an incentive-laden deal. Like, why would you make a guy who has made it clear he would enjoy playing for you, he just wants fair value, you have money, and he can do a lot of things for your team, why would they only just offer him basically what what was a pittance compared to if I was Hopkins, I would have been insulted by the offer. Obviously, you don't want me that badly. You only want me to come to you and do it the old fashioned Belichick way, which is the system is what works. You guys have to come to my price. I'm not paying yours. He only did that once during that uncharacteristically aggressive free agent spending spree. I just found I found the entire dance. I appreciate the content it gave us, John, and it was a talking point. Uh, on your journal at com, Six Rings Podcast, and more for a while. But ultimately, what was the point of it? Yeah, and I think it's a fair question because, look, I think the Patriots receiver room is not elite, obviously not great, but I think it is pretty good. Like, I'd give it a solid B somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. Like, I think it's better than last year. However, DeAndre Hopkins would have walked in and been the most talented receiver on the team. He would have been the best skill position weapon that they have, at least for this first year. So... I think it's something, too. And another piece of this is Tyquan Thornton dealt with an injury in the spring. Juju Smith-Schuster dealt with some sort of injury coming off last season and was kind of working his way back through it in the spring. So even though I think their wide receiver room is solid, they're not coming into training camp fully 100% healthy and confident, I don't think. And with the Bill O'Brien change, I mean, I know there's some – the reporting out there, oh, they had a rift. Well, DeAndre Hopkins was also a three-time All-Pro under Bill O'Brien. So Mm -hmm. they could make it work pretty well. So, look, I think to me, I think it's a miss. Now, is it – does it hurt them as much as it would have hurt the Titans if the Titans hadn't got him? No, because I think the Titans wide receiver room, to your point, might have been the worst or one of the worst in the entire NFL. So they Mm -hmm. did need him more. But I still think it's a miss. And you you look in this division – you have arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league in Miami. Yep. Garrett Wilson is a great – now, the Jets overall, I think their receiver core is average, but Garrett Wilson is a better receiver than probably anyone the Patriots have, and so is Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. And I think the Patriots, they've built their team to be pretty good across the board on offense, which can be difficult to defend in its own way, but there's nobody on their offense. Maybe you could say this about Ramondre Stevenson, and I kind of would – but there's really nobody in the passing game on their offense that you look at as, oh, that guy's an A or A-minus level weapon. Yeah, I just, even if, if all you had to do was guarantee DeAndre Hopkins some money, okay, whatever, he likes to take some practices off, okay, he didn't want to have to rock and roll so early at camp. I don't care about any of that. Just the fact that he could have opened things up for other people and you don't put incentives, you don't make it an incentive-laden contract. He could have made everyone's job easier because now you've got a true top 10 NFL wide receiver, maybe top 15, and instead he goes to where the careers of wide receivers go, to the receiver graveyard of Julio Jones and more down in Tennessee. Look, he's going to be the number one target there, so he's going to reach all the incentives. He's probably going to make his money. He'll have a great time. Maybe he can be a guest at a bunch of bachelorette parties. He'll be a hit on Broadway, and he can ride a pedal tavern wherever he goes. Nash those Vegas, are awesome, by the way. <laughs> there, do pedal not tavern. sleep on those. Don't do the scooters half in the bag, but the pedal ta- pedal taverns are legit. I just, I found the whole entire, if you will, flirtation, the dance, uh, the courtship to be confounding and frustrating in the end, and I think a lot of people did too. Matt in Rhode Island, Ted, Rick, don't you guys go anywhere. We will get to your calls on DeAndre Hopkins and the New England Patriots in just a second. And when we come back, we'll continue the D-Hop and Patriots training camp preview, as well as John Lyons and his five bold predictions for 2023. Plus, is the coach 
on the hot seat. There are a lot of voices, some trusted voices in the region now, who say he may be, which makes this an even more intriguing season. Could Bill Belichick's job be on the line? Would that be one of the bold predictions from John Lyons? We'll find out in just a couple of minutes. But first, let's catch you up on everything else going on in New England sports and beyond with Joe Braverman. 11.25, 11.25, and we are alive. We have hit the ground running. It is the first time it's ever been me, your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens, back from a little rest and recharge, replenish trip down to the Cape, alongside one of our new pals here at the station doing a great job from New England Football Journal. It is at the real John Lyons. Give him a follow, J-O-N. John Lyons in the house today. We are talking Patriots football, getting you guys pumped and primed for training camp 2023, which kicks off officially this Wednesday morning. I'll be down there with Andy Hart and Mike Cadlick, our full representation of Patriots coverage and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to Six Rings and Football Things, where we will be giving you daily podcast reviews and breakdowns of how the offense looks, who's rocking it on the D, special teams, and so much more. Uh, let's take it, John, right now. Back to the people. Matt is in, again, Rhode Island showing up for Fitzy and Lions today. Matt's down in Rhode Island, wants to talk about his New England Patriots. What's up, Matty? Yeah, you know, you know, Fitzy, uh, how you doing, Lions? Uh, new, new on the show. I like what you have to say. Appreciate um, that. I will disagree with you right out the gate about the Patriots wide receivers. I, I would not I would not give them a B. I would, I would say Kendrick Bourne is a very good receiver. I'd say the rest of them are, you know, on notice. As far as Juju, you know, I don't know how you sign a guy as your big free agent signing when he's hurt, and I just see him as a complete variable. Um, and you know, putting out the word that they're good with their with their receiving core and whatnot is, is no surprise from Bill Belichick. I mean, this guy doesn't know receivers um, per the draft and per you know um, the big signing of Nelson Aguilar in the first minute of free agency. You give him twelve million dollars, but DeAndre Hopkins isn't isn't worth the money that he's going to make. So I, I just see. But my point of my call is to want to ask you guys a question after I get off: is what your over under is for for team wins? And just point out that in the first four weeks, we're going to see some serious killers with personnel. Um, you know, namely, you know, the Eagles and. Um, I think the Cowboys are right behind them, actually. The gauntlet and, actually you know, goes, Matt. Yeah, Matt, the gauntlet that the Patriots open up with is they open at home Sunday the 10th against the Eagles on Tom Brady Returns Day. The next week they're home on Sunday Night Football against Miami. Then they travel to uh, Meth Life Stadium to take on A.A. Ron in the new-look New York Jetropolitans. Then they go to the Big D and they take on Mike McCarthy's Dallas Cowboys. That is a whale of an opening four games. And thank you for the call, Matt. Always good to hear from you, pal. That is about as difficult, that's about as gauntlet, that's about as tough an opening four games as you could possibly expect or want to see on your schedule. If they make it through that two and two, God forbid, Lord willing, three and one, my word, then we would know this is a whole different kind of Patriots team. If they're at least in every game, maybe they go one and three, but they don't get blown out, they don't get showed up, they're just not quite there, John. They'll still give us a reason to believe they will compel us to tune in and hopefully give us uh, a season we can build off of. If they just get their doors blown off and they start 0-4, then maybe some of those calls for Bill Belichick's job that we've been hearing about from Bedard, from Kern and Moore, and we'll share that audio momentarily, folks. Uh, maybe there's some validity to that 
as well. Um, how do you think? So he wanted to hear what we had for a record prediction and how we think they'll do over the first four games. I turn the table and the floor over to you, sir. Yeah, so first on his point about me giving the Patriots receivers a B, if you want to say B minus, C plus, whatever, the point is, is even if you give them a B, it's still probably the lowest grade in their division. So you would want to add DeAndre Hopkins there. But yeah, on, yeah. on their season this year, look, I feel this pretty strongly. I think this is a playoff team with the improvements that they've made. And, and look, I'd say nine wins. I know Mike Cadlick has said, I think, 11 at some point. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won 11 depending on how things break, but I look at nine wins right here. And as bad as their offense was last year and as bad as their special teams were last year, they're one win away from making the playoffs. And I know the AFC's loaded. I see. I think the additions of Bill O'Brien, Mike Kosicki, Juju Smith-Schuster, you can throw Adrian Clem in there too because I think having a real offensive line coach makes a big difference and some tackle depth and some of the younger defensive players. And obviously you have the loss of Devin McCourty, but I think you put that all together. I think this is a playoff team, but I still think they're probably going to finish third in their division. Just the AFC East is so good they'll send three teams to the playoffs. Wow. You think they're going to finish third in the AFC East? Ooh, it is just that kind of take that actually spices things up to get to your five bold predictions. We will do that in just a minute, and I kind of want to weigh in on the season record, the first four games, and how things are looking for Coach Belichick. Now, we throw it back to the lines. We go to David in the car who wants to talk the D-hop contract, or rather the lack of D-hop contract. Hi, David. Hey, good morning, guys. Thank you for taking the call. So I I believe there was more to it than – we know it's not a quarterback issue because, let's face it, Tannen Hill is not any better than, than Mac Jones, no way and in, in by any meaning. So so that's not a quarterback issue. I think there was something else going on here why he didn't sign here. And, and we all know how tough we've learned over the years that New England is not an easy place to play for, regardless when Brady was here or after yep. Brady. It, it's a different breed up here. And I, and I think a lot of these athletes can't handle it. They, they can't handle the, the strictness, the toughness that, that comes with it and the, the rules and, and all this other stuff. Now, if I may, as far as what, how New England's going to do this year, I'm actually, you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Go but for it. I'm going 12 and 5. 12 oh, and 5. Oh, David. Whoa. I thought I was being five. optimistic when I said oh, maybe they David, could get pull over and finish. Oh, David, wow. pull over and finish that six pack. Hey. Wow. I, I'm with hey, David. Yeah, the can... Jets are going to be a choke job. Everybody's so hung up on the Jets. They're loading up. At the end of the day, who do they have for a coach? He was a defensive coach. He's not that great. They have Aaron Rodgers. He's done. He's not doing a Brady what Brady did in Tampa. There's no way. Anybody who thinks he is, it's just like Russell, uh, Russell going over to freaking Denver. Everybody thought the same thing. They were going to blow out the, the division. It's not happening. That was one guy who did that, and he's gone. He's retired. That's Brady. Wow. Very, very, very good call, David. Thanks very much. Appreciate the 12 and 5. Yeah, and look. Wow. And Fitzy, you and I talked about this yesterday when we were prepping for the show. The Jets, they just have something like in their franchise DNA that Toronto Maple Leafs, that old Chicago Cubs thing, like that they just can't get out of their own way. They went to the two AFC championship games in 09 and 10, and that's really the only. Success Mark they've had Sanchez in as their quarterback. Right. That's the yeah. only but here's the here's where I would disagree is a lot of teams think they're only a quarterback away. The Jets really were. If the Jets had a real quarterback last year, at a minimum they split with the Patriots and maybe beat them both times. Correct. And, and I think if they have a real quarterback, they're in the playoffs last year. And I think not just in the playoffs, 
maybe in the divisional round. And that's where I see them with Aaron Rodgers. Like I mentioned, I think the Patriots are going to finish third in the division but make the playoffs because the AFC East is so good. I think the Bills are still the top dog and they're going to win the division, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets challenged them. And I know the caller talked about the coaching situation there. Look, Nathaniel Hackett was a bad head coach in Denver, but when he was Aaron Rodgers' offensive coordinator in Green Bay, that was some of the best football Aaron Rodgers played in his career. And he's going to be his offensive coordinator there in New York. I Look, I would I be totally stunned if it's a Russell Wilson, Denver-level train wreck? wreck excuse me because of who the jets are no but i i just i think they're gonna be good i i really do i think they have a great young core they added a finally good quarterback to it a good offensive coordinator who's worked with the quarterback before i just i i wouldn't be completely shocked if they were bad but i would be pretty surprised because i do think they're going to be good yeah nobody wants to hear it period in pats nation new england and beyond wherever people root for the patriots and check out weei nobody wants to hear that the jets we're just a quarterback away last year. Nobody wants to hear that the Jets have a terrific roster on both sides of the ball, and they added to it this year, not only with Rodgers, who may very well have, in addition to a desire to collect the $100 million that he still owed, may actually want to go back and play like the Aaron Rodgers, who every time he was mad or felt like he was snubbed or disrespected would come back with an MVP caliber, if not MVP season. The guy's just a couple years removed from being the MVP, whether you agree with that award or not, of the NFL. And so, yeah, he didn't yeah. play great last year. Maybe he was checked out. The roster was in flux. Whatever excuses you want. Ifs, buts, candies, and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Wasn't great, and they lose a basically a play-in game to the Detroit Lions at home to end his time in Cheesehead Nation. I still think Aaron Rodgers can play well. And what you saw last year when the Pats beat the Jets at MetLife that was Zach Wilson throwing three pick, two easy balls to McCordy and another pick as well. And the and Mac Jones, played, not to yep. cut you off, Fitzy, but Mac Jones threw a pick six that was called back to to penalty too in that game. Uh, yeah, he he totally was, changed he, the game at a thousand and ten percent, John. Yeah, that that play was an absolute backbreaker for the Jets as well. Like that easily could have gone the Jets' way. And the other one that was won by the Marcus Jones punt return at the end of the game, like that was a nip and tuck affair the entire time. Zach Wilson didn't play as poorly. But he didn't play great. Mac was just, you know, check down Charlie all day long as well. They had the worst quarterback room in the league by a country mile. Now they add to it by bringing in Rodgers' buddies. You bring in Alan Lazard. You got, uh, they added Nicole Hardman on a one year prove it deal. And when he's healthy, he's pretty damn fast as well. And you could say, like, oh, I would love to have Tyquan Thornton be what Nicole Hardman was when he was healthiest in Kansas City. Okay, but we've never seen it from Tyquan Thornton. But at least I've seen Nicole Hardman be pretty damn good and be a field stretcher you got old man randall cobb as well like that's a good team and Brees that, hall will come back healthy uh, yes he didn't get hurt, like they had the two best rookies in the league last year in my opinion and sauce gardner and garrett wilson obviously i mean got sauce gardner actually was right because they won both rookies yeah, exactly but i think yeah. on top and of Brees that hall was Brees pretty hall, damn good till yeah, he tore I mean, his acl Brees hall was in that conversation too and, and i think they have a great front seven. I mean, I would love to sit here for an hour and talk about offensive and defensive line play, but I think a lot of our listeners might fall asleep, Fitzy. But they, oh, I'm here for between the tackles talk all day long, John. Their Lyons. offensive and defensive line play, especially their defensive line, is awesome. And, and I think you add in a good secondary, you, Brees Hall coming back, Garrett Wilson. Like, that's a t- like, I know people don't want to hear this. The Jets are legit. And, and again, could they? Could it be a Russell Wilson situation in Denver? Would I be totally shocked by that? No, but I would be pretty surprised because I just think the pieces there are a lot more solid 
than what Denver had last year from the coaching staff for to sure. The quarterback. And I think Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career is better than Russell Wilson anyway. So, and you can say, oh, Aaron Rodgers didn't end the year well last year. Well, Tom Brady didn't end the year well in 2019 here because he didn't want to be here anymore. And yeah, and, and the offensive like, line play for the Jets, too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they get Makai Becton back this year and Elijah Barrett Tucker? And these are two, like, the. the Becton looks a, motivated this year yep. from what I've heard. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good line as well. If you can hold up for Rodgers, open some holes for whether it's Zonovan Knight or a recuperated and returning Brees Hall, and you've got a really legit wide receiver core. I mean, Corey Davis is what, their sixth best receiver now? Like, please, yes, and thank you. It's a pretty, and they got C.J. Ozoma, tight end. Like, they don't suck. I don't know why. Like, it's just got to either be that there's that Jetropolitan failure is always an option, J-E-T-S. You can't spell Jets without Jest, which is what they play all their seasons in and under. I get it. It's the DNA, and it's their own history. But if ever there was a time for them to maybe get out from under it and prove that they can be a better team, maybe this is it. But then there are the Ken Lairds and others at our station who believe that they will just find a way to, quote, jets it up again this season. But I think you and I both believe they're going to be better. I do also like the fact, John, before I grab this next call, I've done the math, and it sounds like you think the Dolphins are going to finish last. That would be delicious. Yeah, I, and look, I think the Bills – I don't think the Bills are the big bad Bills of the last couple of years. Like, the way mm-hmm. they ended last year, it, it just – and then they had that Stefan Diggs issue in minicamp. But again, I still think they're probably going to win the division. Like, they cannot be the big bad Bills and still be the best team in the division. Miami, to me, is the biggest wild card, no pun intended, for a playoff push. I think Tua, if he's healthy – they are a scary team, but do you bet on that health? I have questions about that offensive line. I think their defense is going to be legit. I just think if two is not fully healthy, are they going to be losing games 17 to 10 because their defense is so good, but two is not fully healthy. And I will say the teams in Miami's division, the AFC East, can defend Miami pretty well. The Patriots historically have defended Tyreek Hill really well. They've defended Miami pretty well overall. I mean, if the Patriots had a competent offensive operation, they would have swept Miami last year, including winning in week one. And I think Buffalo can defend Miami. Tredavious White's going to be fully healthy there, and Mm -hmm. they have a good pass. Like, I think the teams, and we just talked about the Jets, I think the teams in their division match up pretty well against Miami. Like, I think there's going to be a good team in this division that doesn't make the playoffs. Right now, I think it's going to be Miami. That could change in a couple months, but I I think there is going to be a good team, potentially a team with a winning record that does not make the playoffs out of the AFC East. Yes, and I agree with you as well. You're spitting nothing but facts, or at least things that I feel like I agree with as well. I I love all these takes, and this is going to make getting to your five bold predictions for the season even better momentarily. Like, that's a good cornerback room for Buffalo as well. Last year, like, from the fact that the Patriots' special teams shot them in the foot and they reverse-engineered a terrible offense, yet still there they were, a quarter of football away in Buffalo from actually going to the playoffs They didn't as well. give up two kickoff returns for touchdowns. That's just they were a, in the playoffs. Or, or Thanksgiving night me. against my, uh, Minnesota, excuse me. Like, they're in the playoffs, as bad yeah, as their offense was. I've been watching. I want to talk about this show later as well. I've been watching the quarterback show on Netflix, which I absolutely just love. Love, love, love it. Yeah, Kair Elam is the other cornerback for buffalo that's the name it's I was another first round with. pick too yeah they've got good corners there as well the pats were one blown play away in Great miami in the opener yeah. yeah from from being able to beat the dolphins as well they are a that is the boomer bus team even with those two lockdown corners that they have down there 
in Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. Oh, God, I could just do this all day. I'm so fired up for football. But, Summer, please don't go anywhere. Uh, and, hey, Brendan, don't go anywhere. We want to take your call now. Brendan the car has a great theory as to why D-Hop didn't land in New England. Hey, buddy. Hey, Fitzy. Happy Sunday. And to you I as well, my friend. Happy Patriots are coming back season to you as well, guy. I'm excited. I think that Bill was scared to give D-Hop uh, a legit contract and gave him the incentive contract because of all the money he paid Johnu and how underperforming Johnu was. And I know D-Hop is a wide receiver one, as he said. He is top tier. Even at 36, I think he can still go. But Bill was just scared of the contract he gave Johnu and didn't want to get embarrassed again. You know, uh, Brendan, I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. There is a chance that maybe now, I don't think it would come from on high in management and ownership, John, but there is a slight chance that Belichick now has buyer's remorse because of the way he drunken sailorly, if I may make an adjective out of that, uh, the way that he spent during the uncharacteristically aggressive shopping spree of March 2021. Does he potentially have a little buyer's remorse because of that god-awful Nelson Aguilar contract and inarguably one of the worst contracts in NFL, if not Patriots history, buying in on the promise and potential of Janu Smith. Does he have a little buyer's remorse? Like, like can he not dip into the per- Can he not loosen the purse strings as much as he may have needed to because of the fact that the last couple times he tried to sign someone to catch passes and score six, he got burned? Well, if Janu Smith was who they thought he was going to be, they wouldn't have even needed DeAndre Hopkins. And, yes. I, and hey, I was wrong on that guy, too. I thought he was going to be a great addition. And look, I, I think, though, to be honest, this is how they've run their program for 20 years. There are certain guys that they are willing to pay a lot of money for. They mm-hmm. gave Logan Mankins the biggest contract for a guard in NFL history at the time. They gave Rob Gronkowski a big extension. They gave Darrell Rivas a solid free agent deal. You go back 20 years, they gave Roosevelt Colvin a lot of money when they really wanted him. Like when there's yep. guys that they really want, Stefan And Gilmore. Gilmore. Yeah. Bingo. Like Jinx. they will pay the money, but I think most of the time they say, hey, there are four or five spots on our roster that if we have a truly elite player – We'll pay them high-end money, and other than that, we'll be fine having a bunch of B-plus players or B-players because we feel with injuries and with depth, it's just more important to have more guys that are Bs instead of that sixth guy you know, who's an A. And it's just, hey, look, it's worked for them for 20 years. They won six Super Bowls. The other side of that coin is they also had literally the greatest quarterback of all time leading their team during those Super Bowls. But I think... They've shown that if there's a guy they really love, even Randy Moss is a guy. They gave him a pretty solid contract extension after 07. But if it's not one of those truly elite, elite guys, they're going to spend you know less money or, or try to go for incentives. Just the way they've done it, and I think it's the way they're going to continue to do it. It'll be interesting to see which side of the ball carries the New England Patriots this season. If there are offensive inefficiencies or deficiencies, people are going to be calling for, clamoring, and grousing up a storm about, why didn't you sign D-Hop? He fell right into your lap, Belichick. Especially if Tyquan Thornton has more soft tissue injuries or continues to be fragile, as they say, an Italiano. If Juju Smith-Schuster's knee injury recurs and that becomes a nagging issue, if Mike Gesicki is not who we hope he can be as sort of a wild card, wide receiver, you know, big slot guy in a tight ends uniform. If all those guys are healthy, they may have a pretty damn good offense and a good running game as well. But, like, I think there are more house of cards, if you will, potentially between the tackle position, 
and the wide receiver room on offense than I think that there are on defense. We will get to John Lyon's five bold predictions for 2023, which I am legally not allowed to tease across any more segments on this program. More of your calls. We'll discuss some of the running backs who visited the New England Patriots. Do they need to bolster the ranks at running back, and who would you like to see them add? So much more to come. We're almost halfway through Fitzy and Lyon's debut here on EEI, and we are just getting started. 617-779-7937 is your telephone number. It's training camp week here with Fitzy and Lyons on EEI. Just a couple minutes away from high noon o'clock here in the halfway point of the debut of Fitzy and Lyons. Andy Hart today has the Sunday off. He's at a lacrosse tournament, plus he's also gearing up for what's going to be a huge week for Six Rings and Football Things. And of course, WEEI and WEEI.com. I don't know if that's a good excuse, Fitzy, because you're gearing up too, but you're still here. But I just took the week off as well, so I rested and replenished and recharged, and now I'm back and fresher than ever, fresher than any kind of lettuce you could bring to the table or chop up in your salad, Joe Braverman. I was not going to miss this chance to rock the mic and get ready for training camp this week. There's just too much going on with the New England Patriots, too many interesting potential points to discuss as well, including the future of the greatest coach in franchise, if not NFL history as well. John, I want to play this little clip. Um, well, first, let me get let me get this caller, and that's going to tease into the clip, and then I want to get your take on this. Justin is calling from the 603. Good to see people representing up north. He uh, has a bold take on Coach Bill Belichick. What's up, Justin? Let's see what's going on. How are you? Uh, Steve, nice to talk to you for the first time. I'm good. Hey, listen, guys, I hate to say this, but I think the writing's on the wall. I think I think Kraft knows that Belichick doesn't have what it takes to rebuild this organization. I think it's, I don't think they're going to be over 500 this year. I think they have another failure of a year, and I think Belichick's gone, and I do think he's going to get fired. Wow, that is the big talker. Justin, you think Bill Belichick, just you know, uh, a dozen and a half wins away from overtaking Don Shula, who so famously criticized him, and called him Belichick, lighting yet another fire underneath the the rump and rear of the greatest coach of all time and a defensive mastermind, the likes of which we may never see again. You think Bill Belichick is going to spit the bit and blank the bed, and this will be his farewell season in Foxborough, huh? Fitzy, there's been so many missteps since 2019, and it's clear he does not. He just does not have what it takes to put together a team again. It's clear also. If you gave me 12 or you gave me Belichick, I would take 12. I would have taken 12 for two more years than Belichick for 10 more. He doesn't have he doesn't have the core. He doesn't know how to rebuild it. His philosophy is outdated. It's done, man. I think it's over. Wow. Justin, I you know, it's that kind of passion even before camp kicks off on a beautiful Sunday morning in New England. We appreciate very much. Thank you for calling into the program today. I want to play this cut that kind of uh went a little bit viral this week, John. Uh, and then get your spin on it before we reset for the top of the 12 o'clock hour. Uh, the great Tom E. Curran, who does awesome work for NBC Sports Boston. I'm looking forward to seeing him on Media Hill this week. He brings his own, like, beach chair with a sunbrella cover and sunblock. He takes very good care of himself. But he's established and he has earned his spot in the media coverage section of training camp. Uh, he appeared this week on the Rich Eisen Show and offered these and of course he's a regular here he jumps in with Gresham Fourier and then does a hit with uh Jones and Mego always on the weekends during football season we always appreciate Tom E's contributions how do you feel about this clip 
that kind of rocked the football world from his appearance on the Rich Eisen Show this week. He's on the hot seat, and he's been there at different levels of warmth since 2019. Really? In 2019, Tom Brady wanted a two-year, $50 million guaranteed uh, contract, just like Drew Brees had. He presumed he was going to get that. He's like, you know what? If I don't get this thing, I'm walking out. It was explained to Belichick that was the case. At that point, Brady, as we all know, said, okay, party's over. I'm leaving. Kraft is looking at it as, okay, well, if we're moving on from this guy, I hope we have a good plan. Belichick somehow convinces Kraft that not spending that money on Tom Brady was a great idea. He wins the Super Bowl. The Patriots, under Cam Newton, because they don't have a plan, were a train wreck offensively. They have a good 2021. They bounce back tremendously. McDaniels leaves. Again, no plan for replacement. All those guys they spent $172 million on in 2022 are so bad. And the decision to have Patricia and Judge running the offense caused it a massive regression and dysfunction. So Kraft has pointed out, and I'm babbling here, a number of times, I'm anxious. I want results. And he's not getting them. And I wonder if Belichick had already passed Shula or was it even within hailing distance of Shula, if we would really have this kind of a hand-wringing, what-do-you-do-about-Bill conversation. Because it's it's not just last year. It goes back to the midway point of 2019. Wow. I mean, that's just, if you want it bold, if you want it big, if you want it spicy and extra caliente, if that's how you like your takes served to you, and from someone who is not known to be a hot-take artist, or a clickbaiter as well. Tommy is pretty well tied in. Uh, I think he's speaking from not just a place of passion and opinion himself, but a pretty well-educated and well-read take from inside the organization as well. John Lyons, do you agree with Tom E. Curran that Bill Belichick could very well be on the hot seat and his job could be in jeopardy if the Patriots do not perform this season? So I think the magic number is seven. I think if they win more than seven games, even if they have a losing season, let's say they go... 7 and 10, 8 and 9, I think then Belichick is truly on the hot seat next year and then could get fired if they don't make the playoffs. I think if they win less than seven games, let's say they go 6 and 11, 5 and 12, which I don't foresee, but let's say they do, then you might have the conversation that Belichick's not here next year. I think that magic number, if you will, is seven. Seven or more, he's fine. And even if he gets less than seven, but some of the young players play really well and maybe the Jets are great with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Kraft doesn't pull the trigger, but I think Tom made a great point about the lack of succession planning, and he mentioned Brady, he mentioned McDaniels, also Rob Gronkowski, and you can make the case that Brady, McDaniels, and Gronkowski, at the time they left here, were the three best in in the league at their positions. Brady, best quarterback, Gronk, best tight end, McDaniels, best OC, and there was no real firm plan to replace any of them. And their offense and their entire team took a step backwards because of it in 2020 and then again in 2022. So I can understand from that perspective why Robert Kraft would be really frustrated because he's used to being the big dog at the owners' meetings, right? He wins the Super Bowls. He's going to eight straight AFC championship games. Now he's just kind of in the middle of the pack the last few years. And even if you're like me and you think they're going to be a playoff team this year, there's a difference between them being a playoff team even and being that perennial AFC championship game team. So I, I think, Kraft, there is frustration there, and I think a lot of it is warranted. But I also don't think if they go 8-9 that Kraft's going to make a change. 
It's interesting. Seven, you say. Seven is the magic number that that rides and jibes along with what Vegas is saying about this team. Seven and a half is the Patriots' projected win total for the 2023 season. In 2022, the win total was eight and a half. They obviously came a half game under that as well, although we both believe that they should have easily won nine or more games. And now they improve the roster and they take a step back. Is that because of the the AFC East? Is that because of the schedule the Patriots have? Do people just not think that they have enough talent? I don't know, but I, I really like the magic number theory. I kind of agree with that as well. If the Patriots are a tough out, if they're a playoff team, if they go really far in the playoffs, or at least they play a representative style of football that makes people say, that looks like the Patriots just minus Tom Brady, Bill Belichick continues, chases Shula, gets it done, and retires with that legacy more firmly intact. If Bill Belichick is able to get this team to surpass expectations, kind of the same way when everyone was doubting him after Super Bowl 52, And in Super Bowl 53, they somehow make it back to the game. They change their identity late in the season. And then he uh, is able to stifle one of the 11 greatest offenses of all time by only giving up three points to Goff and the Rams. All right, then that would be even more impressive. But if this team is in turnaround this season, John, and this is not, uh, shall we say, like not just even a dynamic team or a playoff caliber team, a representative style of football that makes people say, that looks like the Patriots just minus Tom Brady. Bill Belichick continues, chases Shula, gets it done, and retires with that legacy more firmly intact. If Bill Belichick is able to get this team to surpass expectations, kind of the same way when everyone was doubting him after Super Bowl 52, and in Super Bowl 53, they somehow make it back to the game, they change their identity late in the season, and then he... uh, is able to stifle one of the 11 greatest offenses of all time by only giving up three points to Goff and the Rams, all right, then that would be even more impressive. But if this team is in turnaround this season, John, and this is not, uh, shall we say, like not just even a dynamic team or a playoff caliber team, if it resembles any of the mess from last season, I don't think he coaches beyond 2023, and it would be a damn shame to have come this far and for Bill Belichick to be this close. I don't care about the record. But I know it means a lot to him, and I would hate to see him get it in another uniform. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. Time to pay some bills. Get to the top of the hour. We will continue previewing Patriots Camp 2023. Take your calls. Do you think Bill Belichick's job could be on the line? John's five bold predictions and so much more. The back nine of Fitzy and Lions on a Sunday is coming up. Don't you go anywhere. 